You're listening to Canada's Court, your home for all your Canadian basketball needs. Here's your host, Philip Drost. For this episode, I'm going to take a closer look at the Olympics and how the women's basketball team did. They lost in the quarterfinal game against France after setting history by winning their first three games. On the line to talk to me about the tournament is a man who saw it all. Bruce Rainey was there commentating for the CBC. He joins me on the line. Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, Philip. Pleasure. So you did uh, women's basketball and equestrian jumping. Talk about uh, different sports there. Yeah, um, also some golf. So those were my three. And there was supposed to be some tennis in there, too. But the the uh, fate of the Canadian tennis players, Eugenie went out early, and the Canadian men's doubles team of Nestor and Pospisil went out kind of early, too. So tennis neighbor came around, but mostly basketball with a little bit of team and individual equestrian and some golf, too. So it was a, a nice potpourri of sports in Rio. And this was your uh, seventh Olympic Games. How how did this game stack up? Well, you know, it's always um, they're always incredibly uh, entertaining, enjoyable, challenging when it comes to the actual sports. You know, it's it's the the most enjoyable thing in the world to be there. And there's no script, and it's totally drama without script. You don't know what's going to happen. You have an idea might, but you never are entirely sure. And and the goal is to try to you know tell this story on the fly and have it make sense for the Canadian audience. So that challenge is always there, and that's always extremely enjoyable. This wasn't, however, my favorite in terms of of where it was held. Rio is certainly beautiful. There's no question there. But there were pockets of just unimaginable poverty that were hard to look at and undeniable. And it's it's interesting because when these games were awarded to Rio back in 2009, the country was really in a in a boom era because of oil and the oil business, but that kind of fell out, and right now they're in the midst of a really tough time in their history, ecologically, biologically, economically. So, uh, it wasn't my favorite ever setting. There was always the fear of of some crime or the fear that something might happen. But in terms of the overall sports, uh, it uh, matched up to anything I've ever done for sure. And the basketball court, what was the uh, atmosphere like there? Atmosphere was pretty good. It was especially good when Brazilian teams played. Both the men's and women's were represented, and the fans were were pretty good there. There were, were a lot of instances in Rio where uh, ticket sales weren't that good. However, in basketball, the, the stands were always at least, I would say, three-quarters full. So there was a pretty good atmosphere there, and there were some good matchups too. There was kind of this hatred is too strong a word, but, but distaste for the the dominance of the Americans. They were kind of the small e enemy there, which was kind of fun to watch. And uh, we, of course, covered every game the Canadian women's team played, and they started off 3-0 and and looked pretty good. But then they had an inability, really, to, to score the basketball, and that caught up with them as the games went on. Because I thought they, you know, had they had someone that could have gotten even a wee bit hot, I think a bronze medal certainly would have been in play there. It seemed like they started out shooting okay, too. The first game wasn't too bad. Only the first game, though. They they beat China 90-68 in the first game, and Tamara Tatum had, I think it was 20 points, and the team was, I believe, 65% from the three-point line in that game. And then for the rest of the tournament, they could barely hit a three and struggled even to hit a two. And I think what really hurt them is their, their best offensive player is a young girl, young woman by the name of Kia Nurse, who plays for basketball at the University of Connecticut, and she's, uh, she's legitimate. She really is legitimate. However, she was coming off um, a hernia surgery and really didn't have her timing. And something else happened there, too. When Canada played the U.S. 
uh, Kia Nurse went up against her university coach, Gino Oriema, who coaches the U.S. women's team, but also the University of Connecticut. And their defensive strategy against her was force her left. And you learn pretty quickly that her left hand is nowhere near what her right hand is. And so in the games that followed, of course, other teams scouted. They also forced her left. And she really didn't score much in the last three games, which was a key reason why Canada was, as a team, unable to score. And those were their uh, three losses, too. Yeah, the three big ones. And then the the game to get to a semifinal. You want to get to a semifinal at the Olympics because then even if you lose the semi, you're guaranteed a bronze medal game. And the best Canada the women have ever finished at an Olympics is fourth back in 1984. So after the Pan Am win of last year, there was there was big hopes around this team that it might happen again. But I think they need to retool a little bit and try to find maybe a, another gunner or two, somebody who don't worry so much about playing defense, but try to score me 15 to 22 a game and We'll be happy to have you on the floor. And you mentioned there are uh, three wins to start things off, and then they played the U.S. Do you think that was a bit of a, a momentum killer there? I don't think so. I think they actually played the U.S. pretty well. Um, they were one of only three teams to hold the U.S. under 100, and they held them well under. I think their final score was 81 to something in the 60s. My memory's hazy now. But I thought Canada played them okay. You know, they, they forced the U.S. into some stuff they didn't normally do in relation physical with them. And I don't think there was any anticipation whatsoever that Canada was going to beat this U.S. team because U.S. women going back decades now, coming into these games, they had won 41 straight Olympic Games and five straight gold medals. Now that's up to, I guess, 49 and six. So uh, nobody was going to beat this team. This might have been the best women's team ever assembled uh, for the U.S. So I think that Canada played them close should have actually been something on which to build some momentum. But, you know, basketball, it's named basketball because there's a basket and the ball's got to go in it. And Canada couldn't put the ball in the hoop. They just couldn't. It was a a poor shooting performance. And no matter what they tried, it just wouldn't go down. And we're talking everything from three-point heaves to point-blank layups. It just wouldn't go for Canada. So that's ultimately, I think, what spelled their doom at these real games. What do you? Why do you think that was? I mean, it's one thing to be uh, missing threes, but you mentioned the they were missing some real close shots. It's one of those things. It's um, in team sports. It's weird, but you can get infected. You know, if it hits one player and and nobody is there, what they needed was, I think, if you think back to I don't know, pick the Chicago Bulls of the the late nineties when when Pippen wasn't hitting and. Nobody else was hitting. You always had Jordan to give the ball to, and you had a good chance of getting a hoop. Same with Cleveland today. If Kyrie's not hitting or Kevin Love can't get it to go down, we'll give it to LeBron, and he'll at least get to the foul line or, or create something for somebody, a wide-open shot. This team really didn't have that. I thought they were a little bit slow. Uh, nobody could really beat somebody off a of first step, and there was not that one player who could step up and either keep a run going, and there weren't many runs, or stop a run for the other team. So... It just kind of infected the team, and, and hopefully in four years' time, you know, Kia Nurse is that player. There's no question. She'll be 24 in four years' time and hopefully be totally healthy, have her timing down, and uh, we probably won't be having this conversation because likely she'll have a big Olympics and lead Canada to, you know, a fourth or a third-place finish. You mentioned uh, Kia Nurse. Were there any other players that stood out to you during the tournament? I really liked uh, the point guard. Actually, the only player on Canada that played her entire career in the CIS is their point guard. Her name is 
Maya Marie Langlois or Langlois. She will go with either. We went with Langlois. That's what she likes. Her her coach actually was my partner in Rio. Her coach at Windsor, Chantal Ballet, tremendous coach. And Maya can really run the offense. She's really good at, at getting by that first layer of defense and drawing some attention and then dishing off to an open player. I also really liked a young player, a post player by the name of Niall Rankoff Akunwe. She has a hyphenated last name. She could really jump. She's one of those players who, you know, she's still going up when the rest of the rebounders are coming down. And I think she's going to be an absolute star uh, for Canada in the future. And Tamara Tatum is a, is a really good wing player. She's about 6'3", moves really well, shoots it okay, but just is really aggressive. Uh, a lot of blocks, a lot of steals, a lot of deflections. So I think those would be the, the three for me that stood out for Canada. And, and I think Kia Nurse is in that group too, just not in these games. She had one really big game against Serbia to keep Canada in that game and, and allow for a late-game comeback. But I think overall her Olympic performance was a, a little spotty. And uh, going into that quarterfinal game against France, what were the the coaches and players saying? Well, they were saying all the right things. I mean, they, they had a team that they had beaten a couple of times in exhibition play. I think it's a team they matched up very well against, and they were in that game starting the fourth quarter. And then I think they shot maybe 21 or 22% in the fourth quarter, and that, that's not going to get it done. So it was just a case of, uh, once again, the offense failing them. But they were right there. They're, the U.S. was the best team in the tournament. And I think Spain was probably second. That was a, probably the right gold medal game. After that, though, France, Serbia, and Canada, uh, there you go. I mean, France and Serbia. Canada beat Serbia, and, and Serbia won bronze. So you can figure that one out. Uh, it, it's a bronze medal that was there for the taking. Those three teams were really, really close, and it was going to come down to who could execute better and make shots down the stretch, and Canada just couldn't. I talked to uh, Lizanne Murphy the other day for the podcast, and she said that uh, that was really a game she they should have won. Would you uh, would you agree with that? What do you think? Yeah, it's always. I mean, players always the glass is half full. It has to be, and uh, you know, Lizanne's. Uh, I know it's a game that she wanted to win because it was probably. I don't know what she said to you, but but rumor is it's the last game of of her Canadian national team career. Uh, a lot of those veterans are going to move on. Uh, should have won's a tough one. I mean, if you should have won it, you, I guess, should have scored some hoops down the stretch. It's a, a tough one to say. It's one that they could have won, I think. And uh, I think if you put those two teams on paper and match their top seven players, I think Canada was better. And they were getting a, a team from France that had a post player in Yakubu, who clearly was limited in her mobility. I don't think her knees were right. And France was playing without their superstar and captain, a point guard by the name of Celine Dumerc, who injured her ankle before the Olympics. So if you ever were going to get France, that was the game that you you would have gotten them. So I guess should have won uh, might be accurate, yeah. And that was the second time this summer that France has kind of uh, dashed Canada's Olympic hopes. They beat the men's team in the last chance tournament. Is there a, Can we see a bit of a rivalry developing here maybe? Well, you you keep losing to a team in important games. That's a lovely breeding ground for rivalry. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, the Canadian men's team, I, I know they lost that game to France, but really they they lost their qualifier a year ago when they went down to Venezuela in a game that, you know, a lot of people blame that on a late whistle. But for that game ever to be that close was, I think, and these players will admit it too, inexcusable. So 
I would suggest to you four years from now, I think the Canadian men's team, as long as Steve Nash can get all of the big guns to play, they're going to be really good and certainly medal contenders. The Canadian women's team, I think, in four years' time, once they retool a little bit, they have a really good nucleus upon which to build around. So I think they'll be very strong as well. And what do you think needs to happen for them to get to that point? You mentioned uh, getting a nice gunner. Is there anything else you think? That's the big thing. I think, uh, you know, once they, they're going to need, I think Lizanne Murphy's going to move on. Shauna Thorburn is going to move on. Uh, Kim Gaucher is going to move on as well. Maybe another player or two. I think a nice infusion of youth. I'd like to see a little bit, a little bit more speed and athleticism. And somebody who can, you know, I mentioned LeBron a while back. The greatest way to stop a run is to just be able to, to drive to that hoop and draw a foul and get to the line and make a couple of shots. And if they can find that, that driver, maybe it's a nurse as long as she works on her left hand, but a couple of other wing players that can really take the ball to the basket and draw some contact, I think would help them out in the, the tight games like we saw down the, down the stretch there in the Olympics. And Canada's women's team, they've got a lot of uh, players playing professionally, whether that's uh, the WNBA or going overseas. How much has that helped their team? Well, every one of them, every one of them plays professionally somewhere. Um, there were two in the WNBA, the rest either in France or in Russia or wherever. And the thing about that, there's an expectation when you hear WNBA, you think to yourself, well, that, that's the best women's league in the world. Well, it's the most well-known women's league in the world, but I think there are there are leagues in in Europe that are just as strong. And a lot of these WNBA players will spend their spring and summer playing WNBA and then get on a plane to Europe and play over there as well because the competition is just as intense. So, oh, yeah, it, it helps them immensely. Uh, these are the best leagues in the world. I mentioned Langlois. She played a year in Russia, and the jump she made in her game that I noticed from a year ago at the Pan Ams to the Olympics in Rio I thought was huge. And, and if there's one thing, I was confused about a bit as I, I thought she sat a little too much. I would have liked to have seen her minutes up around 30 a game as opposed to 23 or 24 because I thought the Canadian offense really kind of stalled when she sat. And uh, I think if, if Coach Tomatis could go back and look at the tape and do it again, she might find a couple of more minutes for her best point guard. You were at the Pan Am Games, right? You were commentating there. Yeah, we did all of those a year ago, and that was a fun one too. Canada went undefeated. They played the U.S. in the final, and a lot of people were saying to me, well, geez, they beat the U.S. last year. However, the team the U.S. sent to the Pan Ams a year ago was uh, basically an under-22 team, and only one player on that team, Brianna Stewart, was playing on the U.S. team at the Olympics. And Brianna Stewart, who was the star of that team a year ago, was the 11th or 12th player on Team USA. Now, she's great, and she's going to be the WNBA Rookie of the Year by a mile. That gives you a sense of how good this this team that the U.S. sent to the Olympics was because, I mean, last year, no comparison. Night and day, the Pan Am team was a nice sort of college-based U.S. team with good athleticism. This U.S. team they sent to the Olympics is probably the best women's team ever put together. So that that's why Canada was able to beat the U.S. a year ago at the Pan Ams and, and not get much done in Rio. Did you th- feel that the team uh, improved over the year, or, or what do you think about that? I think some players did, and uh, I think a couple of the key ones did. I think I think the real key thing was the, the injury, the surgery to nurse. That hurt, and they had a couple of their veterans who were coming back off off leg injuries as well. And when you're a veteran player and it's a leg injury, and you're already maybe not as fast as you once were, that that's hard to come back from. I thought the team was, was basically 
basically the same. Uh, a couple of the key players, as I say, were better. Like Lois at the point was clearly better, and Rain Kakakunwe was better too. Uh, what, what hurt them, and it sounds like a broken record, was just getting that ball in the hoop at the key time. It just did not happen, and uh, it's tough to put a finger on why. Sometimes that's just the way the, forgive the pun, the ball bounces, and it certainly was the case in Rio. And you mentioned an uh, influx of youth might help. Do you know of any uh, young players that are up and coming? That, that is not something I know much about. <laughs> However, uh, Chantel, the, the uh, woman with whom I work, says there are a lot of really athletic young wing players on the development team, which she work, does a lot of work with. So she was very optimistic about the, the team's future. And she's uh, a coach who always plays the cards pretty close to the, the vest. So for her to be optimistic and to vocalize that indicates to me that she really believes that there are some some really athletic, fast, young defensively oriented but offensively gifted as well players who could enter this program and that'd be a, a good thing for Canada in the next couple of years yeah that sounds great we just gotta wait uh, four more years <laughs> yeah four more I guess back, uh, what is it FIBA World Championships in another couple so we'll see how they retool um, Lisa Tomitis is a very very good coach uh, two times CIS coach of the year the coach of the current national champions from the University of Saskatchewan She's smart as a whip, and she's got a good team around her in Basketball Canada now, believes in, in what she's doing and, and where she's taking this program. So I look forward to following them over the next couple of years, and I can only imagine Cup Tokyo that this team will be retooled and recharged and ready to go a step further. Well, Bruce, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to chat with me about it. Philip, I love talking basketball. <laughs> you know my number, call anytime. Great. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> All right, buddy. That was Bruce Rainey. He commentated the basketball games for CBC. He's also the TV host for CBC PEI's supper hour show, Compass. So, any thoughts on what you heard? What did you think of Canada's performance? Who stood out to you? Well, let me know. You can talk to me on Twitter, at Canada's Court, or send me an email at canadascourtpodcast at gmail.com. I can't wait to hear from you. Make sure and tell your friends as well so they can enjoy the podcast. And as always, thank you for listening.